Hello and welcome to Waypoint Church. My name is Jim, Associate Minister here, and it's great that you're joining us for this online church. Um, for those of you that are part of the church family, then you would have been emailed a link to a worship playlist. If you want to use that worship playlist, please do. It's always really important to be able to give praise, give worth to God. So um, press pause on me now if you want to, or you can uh, listen to it and worship at another time, whenever it's convenient for you. Um, in the meantime, we're going to crack on and, and, and unpack the words together. Uh, we're going to get the reading for today and then we will look at what God wants us to apply and to learn uh, from his word. So last week, we looked at the first six verses, didn't we, of chapter 11, as we began to think about what faith is. And we looked at kind of these key concepts of faith, that faith is about understanding, it's about conviction, and it's about activity. It's about actually actively living out your faith. So that when someone says to you, how are you doing in your faith? Or perhaps you're feeling, how's my faith going? You know, often in those times, you can be a bit like, well, my faith's not very strong at the moment, which I totally get, and I can be like that as well. Um, but often I think there's actually there's certain elements within that that possibly we're neglecting. Uh, and that's really what um, last week was all about, kind of giving this foundation, this basis of faith. that it's about understanding, it's about having confidence and it's about actively living it out. And so actually when we're struggling with our faith, perhaps it isn't that we're really living it out. So we're not really seeing incredible things happen around us. We're not really seeing much of God in our lives because we're not actively living it out or perhaps our understanding is lacking or just spending time in kind of refreshing um, in the word of God by the spirit of God as well um, or perhaps it's the com confidence conviction you know perhaps every day you are faced with opportunities to um, to live out your faith but actually it's just having that confidence to to go that step further and I think as we begin to kind of build those strength those muscles of faith that we all begin to see um, incredible things happen and so Today, uh, it was a long um, rest of the chapter, wasn't it? Verses 7 to, to, to 40. Um, we're not going to cover the whole of that. We can't. So I'm going to pick out two or three really key concepts that I found looking at this chapter that I hope will be kind of trigger points for us as we actively live out faith. What are those moments we can go, ah, this is a point where I can actively live out my faith. Uh, the reading today is from Hebrews chapter 11 and it's verses 7 to 40. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and living in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Thank you so much for some of the feedback from last week's talk. It's been really encouraging. Uh, but what I would uh, like to highlight was one particular analogy that I gave that I think really helped quite a few of you was the analogy of the chair. Now, if, if your tech didn't cut out last week, because I'm aware some people's uh, technology wasn't too great last week, whether it was internet stuff, we don't really know, apologies for that. Um, hopefully this week it will be fine. Um, then you might have missed my little analogy of what active faith really looks like. So um, rather than tell you again, I thought I would do a little mini video. So um, sit tight and enjoy this really profound, uh, meaningful video that I've done. What an amazing chair this chair is. Look how flexible and springy it is. Look how sturdy and strong it is. Look how comfortable it is. What an amazing chair. I love this chair so much. I love sitting in this chair so much. Great chair. 
What an amazing chair this is. Such a, a great chair. It's so springy and flexible. It's so strong and so comfortable. I love this chair. I love sitting in this chair. What an amazing chair it is. Oh yeah, it is an amazing chair. It is so strong and reliable and durable and incredible. What an amazing chair it is. So I was hoping you don't just find that video amusing. I also hope that perhaps for those of you that are kind of visual learners, that it's just a really good kind of memory moment where you can pull back to that point and think, oh, that's what faith looks like. It looks like actually sitting in the chair rather than just having it in your home or just talking about it, that kind of thing. So I want to push the chair analogy a little bit further. Bear with me on that one. You might have seen that um, the chair that in that video was a Poang chair. I love Poang chairs. We've got a couple in our house. And the first time that I set my eyes upon a Poang chair, this is a bit like a love story, it's a bit weird. Um, it was in Ikea. Other furniture stores are available. And uh, I was getting lost, as I always do in Ikea, because I can't work out the city floor arrow system thing. And uh, I ended up kind of bumbling into the, the, the chair section and there was like ceiling to floor, just chairs everywhere. And I was walking through and on my left, there was this like really highly lit, really bright area. And in this area was this glass cage. I don't know if it's still there, it might be. And in this glass cage is this chair. And next to, the glass, next to the chair is this machine, right? And this machine has got an arm on it. And at the end of the arm is this, this kind of, um, I think it's wooden. Uh, and this thing is, this, this arm, this machine is just pressing this, this thing onto the chair repeatedly, right? Pressing down and releasing and pressing out. I guess it's to mimic someone's backside, I, I, I assume. But anyway, I was kind of like, what is this? chair in a glass cage doing here and I was drawn in by it and um, just I probably stood there for about 10 minutes just watching this machine just push down on the chair and then release and push down on the chair and release obviously like it's a working advert isn't it it's trying to tell the person who's looking at it that this chair is not only comfortable and flexible but also it's durable it's strong it can hold your weight it can be trusted it's, it is um, you can be confident in the structure of the chair as well and um, I got sucked in left that day with two Poang chairs. But um, <laughs> but I'm hoping you can kind of see where I'm going with this, that active faith, active faith is about pressing into every single day the nature and the character and the promises of God. Now, every time I've been to Ikea, that machine is still doing it every single time that I've been there. I don't know if it's there anymore, but when I went, it was doing it all the time, all day long. It's the same, active faith. Is pressing into the nature, the character, and the promises of God, and it's a very, it's a very active thing, right? The the, the way in which that's displayed is a very active thing. So, I thought what I'd do, because some people love lists, is I put a little list together of the the verbs, the doing words that you see throughout this passage in chapter eleven, um, and it might help you understand where I'm coming from with it a little bit. So, by faith. Noah built, he was building, he, he built. Abraham and Sarah obeyed. Abraham offered. Isaac blessed. Jacob worshipped. Joseph spoke. 
Moses left Egypt. In faith, people marched, they passed through, they welcomed, they conquered kingdoms, they, they brought justice. It's a very active thing. Faith is a very, very active thing. And it's fully reliant on understanding, knowing, being confident in the, the nature, the character, the promises of God. I genuinely believe that when the people of God live out the promises of God, we begin to see the power of God more in our life. When we begin to live out and understand the nature and the character of God and we live that out, we begin to see the power of God. And we, who doesn't want to see more of the power of God in our life? Not just, just for personal gain, but more importantly for God's glory, for his kingdom, to, to bring about more of God's kingdom in, in and around us as well. Can we be people that are actively pressing into the nature, the character, the promises of God? And as a result, seeing more of the power of God, because that's what the, the, the great women and, and men of faith in, in this Hebrews chapter, that's what they were doing, right? They were, they were doing that. They were trusting God and his nature in that particular way. When I was little, I used to listen to, I used to hear speakers and preachers talk about Hebrews chapter 11. And I guess I would often sit there and think, I don't, I just, like, that's just unobtainable faith. Like, that is, those are big things those people did, right? Like, I don't really see God trusting me with the continuation of the civilization on a big wooden boat. Um, I don't even know how to make a, a chair, let alone a, a boat, right? But I think it's really important for us to not feel inferior when we see this Hall of Fame. Um, they were really normal people like you and me, who had flaws, that had insecurities, that had weaknesses. I've got another list for you, and I love this list. I've, you probably heard it before, some of you, but remember, this is significant. Noah was a drunk. Abraham and Sarah were, were considered too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stutter. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and was a murderer, right? And there are many people in the New Testament with similar insecurities and worries. Even last week in the first part of this series, I talked about how in Matthew 17, 20, when um, the, the, the disciples couldn't cast out the demon, they went to Jesus and Jesus said, well, do you know what? You know, it's because of um, you haven't got enough faith. And then he goes on to say that all you need is faith like a mustard seed. And I read around that a little bit and realised that what the original translation said was you didn't have, you had unbelief. So even the disciples had unbelief, but actually just like the disciples, just like um, the people, the women and men of faith in this in this Hebrews chapter, you can counter those those normal insecurities and weaknesses and worries and stuff with faith, applying active faith in God's nature, in his promises, in his character. You know, don't look at this passage and feel inferior, feel inspired by it. It's not a, it's not a, a fame list, right? It's a faith list. It's not about the glory, glorification of those people, about them. It's about the glorification of God and what faith does in that process. Um, and so what I've tried to do, uh, I guess, because I get, you know, we're not often, are we, like, I guess, in a place in our, in our daily living where... Um, where we perhaps need to offer up our children as a sacrifice. I know possibly speak to some parents during lockdown. I've been a bit worried about some, but, um, but you know, we're not often met perhaps with 
lions in a lion den or um, having to, I don't know, hide spies in our house or that kind of thing. And I think often when we think of like amazing faith, like that's what we think of, those incredible things. And that's what really faith looks like. But so it can feel a little bit unobtainable, like I said. But I kind of want to pull out, I guess, um, three things that we can apply that are a little bit more daily, right? Because sometimes we can get into uh, our normal day, especially in lockdown when we don't even know sometimes what day it is, let alone the time or something. Um, and before long, you've got into your routine. It could be that some of you are working nine to five jobs still, or you've been furloughed, or you don't have a job anymore, and you get through the day, and you're like, well, I didn't, where was my faith there? Like, where did I apply active faith today? Where did I apply my understanding of God, his character, his nature, the fact that I carried the Holy Spirit with me? Where did I apply that to any circumstance today? I'm the same, right? It's not a judgment. And so what I've tried to do, I guess, is because I couldn't cover the whole 33 verses that we that were read out at the beginning, is I guess pull out three things that really spoke to me in my preparation uh, and, my, and as I was praying about this as well, that I hope are a bit more manageable for us um, as we begin to apply more active faith every day. So mostly taken from two sections, uh, verses 13 to 16 and 24 to 27, and then a, a little verse at the end as well. Um, so I'll read it. Uh, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Uh, and then in verse 24 to 27 says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, He, because he was looking ahead to his reward. Uh, so I guess the first thing I want to say is about how significant it is, active faith, is about understanding your identity. Understanding your identity in Christ. Don't switch off and think, oh, that's a standard response, okay? But understanding your identity in Christ. Having this, this I guess, heavenly perspective is so significant. The author of, of Hebrews was, when talking about these men and women of faith, were talking about a group of people that lived pre-Jesus, right? And so they had this constant anticipation within them. Of, of something else, somewhere else, that they were looking for a saviour, they were looking for a promised land, a place that they could call their own. And they had this kind of spiritual anticipation that was within them all of the time. They had this awareness of that they were aliens and strangers, you know, in terms of what was around them on earth, that they were citizens of heaven, just like you and me. We are citizens of of heaven so much so that that Moses kind of was prepared to risk the king's anger right it says here you know he was he kept an eye on the things that were invisible 
there's an amazing um, old, um, long time ago, uh, philosophical theologian and preacher guy called Jonathan Edwards. And he was quoted as saying this, you cannot be too heavenly minded for earthly good. You cannot be too heavenly minded for earthly good. That the only way to be of true earthly good is to be heavenly minded. I've met a lot of Christians in my life um, who have who say the opposite. You know, or oh, that person's got their head in the clouds all the time. They're too spiritual or whatever. But I think actually that's a really healthy thing. Not to the point that, you know, you don't, you're not around. You know, obviously you need to, this is a physical existence as well. Um, but actually, like, I think the more we understand that we are citizens of heaven, that we're aliens and strangers on this earth, that we've got this hope, right? And that we've got this thing where God is continuing, continually unfurling his plan, his kingdom in front of us. And that he's calling us into these things, that we can continue to have this spiritual perspective, this heavenly perspective. And we can kind of have this as part of our daily filter, I think then we'll, we'll, we'll begin to see um, much more things happening in our life as we apply active faith that God is in our daily existence, that he is doing things around us in the normal mundane stuff, right? What I love about um, this passage is that these men and women of faith, right, they didn't, they often as a result of this kind of always looking for this future stuff, this future hope, that they, they were not necessarily happy but they they were prepared to live with discomfort they didn't seek comfort they didn't seek earthly gain or material things material gain prestige or power or money or position if that stuff happened it happened as a result of God clearly giving it to them and usually just for a season instead you know they didn't want to conform to the world you know the trappings of the world what was going on around them you know I think so often for us in our walk we do that we end up being possessed by our possessions. We end up being so focused on profiles, our online profile, our position, uh, our jobs, our homes, right? Even our families that actually like suddenly all our thinking is done in, in the earthly realm. You know, but actually that's not what I don't believe we're called to be like. I don't think that's what active faith looks like. You know, this, these people, they embrace their heavenly identity. They understood that they were aliens and strangers. And what does it mean like, what does it look like for us to embrace that concept as well? Because I think ultimately, if we do that, it moves us into a place perhaps that becomes uncomfortable at times, a place of discomfort, a place where we, we risk certain things. It is a risky thing, isn't it? To have that kind of heavenly perspective. Because often earthly things then don't always seem to be the answer or seem it seem, can seem quite difficult um it might mean that we need to give up something give up chasing this particular thing building our own little kingdoms or uh, perhaps it is that we are do need to break certain habits so we do need to take you know not rely on certain things or certain people to bring security and all that stuff perhaps it is that we need to get help perhaps it is that we need to speak up about something about injustices perhaps it is that we need to be braver and bring certain things or situations into the light because they need to be changed they need to be um they need god's input on and um we saw it with 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 moses that little last section i talked about he was prepared to do that wasn't he, he was prepared to give up the palace 
the, the prestige, the power, the position of that. Because he counted kind of having this heavenly perspective as being way more important. And it meant that his life had to change. He had to live with discomfort. As a little aside, I guess just as my brain is firing right now, um, I think it's really cool to acknowledge that we live this side of Christ, right? So the hope and the promised land that, 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 that these people, these men and women of faith were, were talking about, we now know we don't have a blind faith, a blind hope in someone that we're not quite sure who it is. We know that the hope, the saviour is Jesus. We can learn about him. We can know him through the gift, the deposit of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us that believe in Jesus, right? We can know him continually. We can know him more and more. And so we don't, we don't have to kind of just hope. We can know. We can live in that confidence as well. I guess that just felt relevant. So hopefully that's encouraged someone, someone out there. The last thing I want to say is, is the significance of embracing weakness every day is an opportunity for active faith. The significance for embracing our insecurities, our uncertainties, our, our um, perhaps our, uh, I don't know, perhaps the things that we're not very good at is a great opportunity um, to, to invite in the nature, the character, the promises of God. instead, Because we live in a society that does not tell us that that's a good thing, right? We live in a society where weakness is seen as a weakness, right? That being open and honest, being insecure about certain things or uncertain sorry about certain things is like, what, you can't be like that? Like, you need to have it all together. And so what we do is that we, we mask our weaknesses. You see that a lot, don't you? We build egos. We, we create profiles, positions and promote self-importance and we justify ourselves and all that stuff because we don't want to live with the reality of the fact that we are weak. And that we are, um, we, we don't have all the answers. Anything to deny the reality of weakness. You know, what you see in this chapter is people that, have, that applied faith because they recognised that they had come to the end of their own strength, I guess. They, they, they guess they couldn't answer it themselves. They, they, they were in tricky situations. They, they didn't have the, the tools. They didn't have the answer to certain situations. And so they recognised their weakness. And in that point, God's strength came in, you know, and I think the more we can embrace weakness, the more we can embrace those moments in the everyday, in our relationships, in our conversations, with our work colleagues, in our decision making, whatever it might be. Stop pretending that we have it all together, because often we do that, don't we? So we end up kind of then relying on our own strengths in those moments. The more we can embrace those weaknesses and the more we can embrace those things the more we are inviting God's character and nature into those situations. You know? And actually, the, I think actually the more we begin to humble ourselves as well. James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud, but he shows favour to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he shows favour to the humble. Now, weakness isn't the same as insecurities necessarily, um, but weakness I think is a really good forerunner to being a humble person, recognizing that you don't have all the answers, you know. And I think that's a really significant way that every day, because I, I, if you're like me, you will come up against people every day or situations every day where you don't have it all together, where you can acknowledge that out loud and you can say, do you know what, God, this is where by faith, acts of faith, I invite you into the situation. 
I invite you in so that I'm not doing this in my strength anymore. I'm doing this solely in your strength. I don't want to keep controlling the, the narrative, controlling the story, the people, wherever I be. But actually, I want you to take full control of the situation. Paul says, doesn't he? I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. That's the the beauty of who God is. When we are weak, actually, we are stronger than ever before at those points because we have God, nature and character and promises working through us, through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So... To recap, I want us to be inspired by this book, the the Hebrews chapter 11 passage, to to live our active faith in God's trust, in God's character and nature and his promises, to have a daily mindset where we know our identity so we're not just dragged into the, the physical and the material things all the time, but actually from that place of identity and understanding you know, that we need to make some changes, that we need to rely on God more, that we might get to a place of discomfort. From that place as well, we understand that there could be weaknesses and moments of insecurity, but all those are opportunities to actually rely on the nature of God, not just rely on ourselves or just to get through the day again. I hope that's encouraged you. And I hope that's um, perhaps opened your eyes to certain things as well. Um, when the people of God live out the promises of God, we start to live out the power of God as well, start to live out uh, the incredible plans and purposes that he has in our lives and for his kingdom and for his glory. So yeah, let's pray, let's pray. Jesus, we, we want our faith to be a necessity and not an accessory. Teach us humility, to embrace weakness as a chance to see your strength. Says in this passage, it says, Jesus, that weakness was turned to strength. Jesus, I pray that we, I pray for some of us right now that perhaps don't understand that or don't see it, that I really ask that through the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just begin to work an understanding of that into to those of us who need it more. That weakness can be turned to strength, your strength, because of who you are. Remind us that we are, we are your possession. We are not of this world. Give us those heavenly perspectives to look to the invisible. But actually, Jesus, I thank you that you are not, that you came to earth, that we can know the visible the visible God through you, Jesus. May we be people who don't just settle or seek comfort, that we aren't risk averse for the sake of fear, whatever it might be, that we carry you into every situation because you are the way and you always make a way. You always make a way. May we be people that actively choose to live out the nature, the character and the promises of you, God. To see more of incredible faith things happen, that we've got fresh testimony, fresh things about what you're doing in our lives, through our lives, because we are living out those truths of who you are. Maybe this week 
coming be a different week for all of us because of what you are teaching us, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Thank you for listening to Waypoint and our ministries here. Um, if you would love to uh, perhaps press into this a little bit more, have some questions about it, uh, perhaps you're, you're watching this and you, you're not really part of the church, you're so welcome and uh, you want to connect in a little bit more, then please do that. Send an email, put out a message on, on, the, on the thread right now. Um, go on Google and Google Waypoint Church and we, you, know, you can find our emails in there as well. So please do that. Uh, we hope to see you soon. Have a great week. Take care. Lots of love. Bye.